Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh. Fabio Carrique, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Welcome back to the Blue Stable Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, as always, I'm your host, producer, content coordinator for the Blue Stable, joined by me, NFL insiders, writers, Rashad McGinnis, Destin Adams. Rashad, what's up with you, man? What's going on? Hey, man, Mike called me first. I feel special, man. Thank you for the introduction. You know, it's, it's, it was great. It's nice being appreciated around here. It's about damn time. Hey, minorities stick together always. Uh, <laughs> what's up, man? I feel offended. Mike must have not liked my pictures earlier. He didn't add photographer in there. But, uh, oh, but, but, I can't steal, but, I can't steal but, heat from, from our guy, Luke, man. Shout oh, out to no. Burkham, by the I, way. I, I just need to say, I can't wait for him to be back next week. Taking pictures today was the most stressful thing ever, um, but just made me appreciate everything he does. But super pumped to be back, super pumped to talk about actual football. We're not talking practice. Practice. We're we ain't talking, talking about, about practice. practice. Not <laughs> practice. Not the game that's, that they love and that we watch. Practice. Anyways, guys, football has been played finally. It, it doesn't matter too much yet, but we're getting there, slowly getting there, guys. Real quick, how did you guys, you know, watch the game on Saturday? Did you kick back, throw a tailgate? I know we had uh, tailgate Twitter spaces going on. Destin, you were a host on that. Shout out to our lead writer, Zach. All right, Zach Shankerman, he was the host of that one. How did y'all spend that uh, time watching the game? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I went and grabbed Wing Stop. Um, it's my that's my favorite wing spot that's near me here. So mm-hmm. I went and got some garlic parmesan wings, got some lemon pepper, got some Cajun wings. I went I went three flavors deep um, for Saturday's game. You know, I had to get some flavor going. But uh, so yeah, I went ahead and get, got some wings for the day. Felt like it was needed for the first Colts live action of the year. Um, and yeah, I was on that Twitter Spaces for the new Twitter Spaces show um, for the Blue Stable Twitter tailgate. Um, so I got to talk with a lot of you guys, getting to talk about the game. We had a lot of interesting questions brought up. Make sure you guys tune back into that two hours before every single game this year. We have 19 more games to go and more, obviously, as we want to play in January. We want to play in February. So. 
All right, guys. Well, before we jump into this, y'all already know what it is. If you want to help the Blue Stable grow, make sure you comment, like, subscribe. We are still heading towards that goal of 1,000 subscribers. We're almost there, guys. We need y'all's help. Subscribe if you're new. Subscribe if you've come back. Tell other people that they need to subscribe as well for a chance to win a jersey giveaway, ladies and gentlemen. So let's finally get into it, guys. Uh, Freaking Destin over here making me open up DoorDash and look at Wingstop here. I don't know about those other flavors. I'll just do my original hot because that's the that's my favorite affordable wing place other than the hometown pizza wings and things. So other than that, guys, let's get into some football. The Colts fell. If, you, if you're not watching, look at this graphic right here or right here. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm special, okay? But uh, on whichever side, those stats for the game, the Colts did take the L 24 to 27. And again, it doesn't matter. So we're still winning the Super Bowl. But we are going to talk about what we saw. We're going to break down each room, give the lowlights, the highlights, who we thought was good, all that good stuff. So let's start with the quarterback room, guys. So obviously, uh, I believe it was a three-drive uh, preseason game for Matt Ryan. Nothing too too crazy. Preseason, working on the basics. There was a lot of underneath attempts, a lot of smash concepts. Frank Wright was trying to throw in there. Just keep it a little bit basic. Uh, got sacked, didn't, didn't like that, but uh, ultimately six for 10, 58 yards, uh, nothing, nothing too heavy. As long as he walked out uh, healthy, that's all I care about. But Rashad, let me start with you, man. What, how do you think Matt Ryan uh, looked, you know, de debuting uh, for the Colts? Um, I think he looked exactly how Matt Ryan has looked. You know, he was looking a lot underneath. I think there was running a lot of time and stuff, rhythm stuff, trying to get him in rhythm. Uh, he was definitely going underneath – he was moving defenders with his eyes and then going to the check down or going underneath where the routes was designed to go for the most part. Uh, I didn't see anything wrong with him, anything concerning. Um, he, he looked like he had a couple of times where he placed the ball in, in not ideal spots. It wasn't bad spots or anything, but it's a couple of throws that he could have made a little bit better, but it was nothing concerning at all. Uh, Matt Ryan looked absolutely fine to me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just felt like the game plan going in, you can tell they wanted to work on run blocking and things like that and the short end stuff. So you just didn't see Matt Ryan take many moderate or deep shots. Um, I thought he was sharp. I thought he hit guys in stride. Um, and he gave guys chances to make plays. I mean, I, like Rashad said, I feel like Matt Ryan was who we thought he was going into the game. Yeah, Nick Foles obviously got uh, got some work in. Like uh, Rashad said, he looked like Nick Foles. He was a solid, uh, solid backup. We think he's going to do good things if he has to step in for a game or so. And then finally on this quarterback room, guys, Destin, I know Saturday was a hard day for you and I. I don't know where Rashad stands on this, but Sam Ellinger uh, really putting the pressure on Chris Ballard and company to keep three quarterbacks in, in the room on the roster. But you're shaking your head right now. Sam Ellinger, you know, he's putting actions instead of words. So, uh, what did you think of Sam Ellinger's performance and, you know, does his boost his chances of making the roster? Um, I mean, I'm going to say I would rather Ellinger win the QB two job than them keep three quarterbacks. Um, but I mean, for Sam, I think he looked good. I think he, you can tell he has a really good grasp of Reich's offense. Um, he, he moved well out of the pocket. I think he did make some good throws 
when it, when it comes down to it, I just don't know if Saturday makes me feel any better that if he had to play in a spot start that he would be better than Nick Foles, which is why I would keep Nick Foles. Um, but I have seen Twitter, the Ellinger clan is just in full force on Twitter. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sam Ellinger, man, I, he played well. You know, he played well. He he looked definitely looked more mature than he looked last year. He looked a little more patient. I like the way he was kept his feet moving in the pocket, escape pressure, kept his eyes downfield, as you should do as a quarterback. And he didn't do anything I didn't expect him to do. You know, uh, the, the limitations that he had on him, I think he still has as far as his arm talent and, and just what he can do if – you know, he's required to work absolutely from just strictly from the pocket. You know, he, he's limited in that area. But the things he does well, man, he, he's a smart football player. You know, he, he kept a lot of plays alive with his feet. And like I said, he, he made the short, consistent, accurate throws. His ball placement was really good uh, on the touchdown to Jacobson and on the touchdown to Woods. Uh, uh, more on Woods later. But I, I like what I saw from Sam. Uh, I'm nowhere near ready to put him as QB2 over somebody that was a Super Bowl MVP and somebody experienced, a guy that I know can run this offense the way it's supposed to be ran if, you know, Matt Ryan, Iron Man Matt Ryan ever goes down with an injury and has to miss a couple of games. But Sam Ellinger, hopefully he's a guy that we're able to get to the practice squad. He doesn't get plucked off by another team. And, you know, he stays another year in his system and, and maybe develops into QB2 of the future. But but that's the ceiling that I have on him personally. Yeah, it was a welcome sight from, from everything I saw. You know, the footwork seemed a lot better. Just his overall pl- play seemed like everything was coming to him a lot quicker. Because, again, he played against, what, the, the third string guys? There was the same guys that he was going against in last year's uh, preseason game in two games because he started one of them. but you know, things he was struggling with, ball placement, you know, timing, his footwork was crazy. But in this game, you saw he was able to work the pocket, step up into the pocket. He looked like he had a little bit of command. It was a welcome sight. I I certainly liked what I saw. I did not see that coming. And I'm with you guys right now. You know, it was a good, good game, solid game. This is what preseason is all about. You got to come in and make plays, especially if you're not really favored to make the roster at all you got to make it hard and not make these decisions easy on these guys. You got to go, you know, Marshawn Lynch, protect your chicken. All right. Uh, If he can do this for two more games, then there's a real discussion. I I can tell you that. But other than that, again, uh, Sam Ellinger, hats off to you, buddy. Let's see if we can do it in Detroit. The wide receiver room, a little bit of a mixed bag. All right. Big daddy, Michael Pittman. We know what he can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But the other guys. Did you just call Michael Pittman big daddy? Big daddy. He is a dad and he is big. So, you know, shout out to the Pittmans. So it was but, comma. Uh, so it was big, comma, daddy. So it wasn't just big daddy. Oh, no, right. no, 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 no. I'm not trying oh, okay. to, you know, get that way on the podcast live. Okay. I'm oh, not okay. trying to do all that. Uh, but is he, <laughs> anyways. Is he, your, is he your daddy? 
Whose daddy is he? Ooh. Oh, I mean, I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah. All I, right. mean, I look <laughs> ugly. I don't look. I mean, no. Michael Pittman is a California boy. He's handsome. He has good hair. So he's clearly not my dad. Okay, so I'm not even going to get into that but again the <laughs> wide receiver room he's talented in football i'm not okay that's why i'm on a podcast but the wide receivers in general you know did they disappoint a little bit rashad tell us uh as a whole um i wasn't really too upset at what happened out there i know a lot of people are saying they struggled to see him get separation uh there was there were plays there were times where they didn't look as good as they should have. And Michael Pittman, you know, led all receivers for 30 yards. I believe he had two catches. One was kind of a downfield catch, and the other one was a screen, a little tunnel screen that they ran with him. We picked up about 17 yards, 15 yards. The rest of the guys just kind of looked like guys. You know, they, they didn't do anything special. Alec Pierce had a couple of good releases, uh, two of them that he caught, one of them on the first drive of the game was broken up by Kalir Elam. That's a first-round pick, first-round rookie out of Buffalo, uh, expected to be a starter this year as their number two corner as Tredavious White's work his way back. I think they had good moments, but overall, you see some of the complaints that that people have been making over before training camp. Uh, me and Destin never wavered off at this point, saying that they need to add somebody. They just don't have a guy that can consistently beat press coverage just over and over you know a guy that's going to find soft spots and zones and and ridiculously make teams pay for playing them press man and not keeping the safety over the top uh, buffalo ran single high all game pretty much kept a, kept a guy in a box had one guy over the top they just wasn't threatened you know and, and it seemed like the coach wasn't really in their game plan to make them play uh, they ran a couple of good mesh plays you know that, that freed up some people. But Frank Reich is going to do a good job of scheming those guys up. That's why I don't worry too much about wide receiver production because I know that Frank Reich can get – he can scheme up a play for, for one of us, you know, to get one of us wide open or uh, to get one of us a yak opportunity. So I, I'm hey, not worried. he got worried. Danny Pinter wide open for a touchdown last year. Great point, great point. More on Pinter later. Great point. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I'm not too worried about these guys. I think Buffalo was a good test for them, the way they play defense. Uh, shout out to them. They bought it, and this they secondary is a good measuring stick. Although, you know, we didn't see the studs that's in Buffalo secondary. The the, the Tre'Davious White, the Micah Hyde, the Jordan Poyer. We didn't see none of those guys. Yeah, I mean, the receiver room. I, I expected to see some growing pains. I mean, Rashad kind of mentioned it during the year. Reich is a very talented coach when it comes to just orchestrating ways to get guys open whether it's little meshes whether it's little rub routes whether it's the illegal screen routes that don't get called in the nfl um the, the colts will find ways to scheme guys open so the big thing for me was just going back and watching the receivers a little bit on the on the all 22 and just kind of figuring out how they looked even when they didn't get targeted um, i think alec pierce his route running looked really well to me um, I saw him be able to create separation at a pretty solid rate even when he wasn't getting the ball much um, you can tell he wasn't the first progression for Ryan on some of the like in that there was a red zone route you saw against press coverage um, where when Pierce went for the cut dusted the corner toward the sideline yeah it was like an outbreaker yeah it, it was in the it was in the red zone going mm. to 
pro- he was he was going towards the corner of the red zone. If the ball was thrown to him, he probably would have kept going that up way to the corner. And it, it was impressive. Now, the ball ends up going to Hines, who was on a linebacker, first read, easy, get that to him, obviously. But there were just multiple plays like that where Pierce's cuts look very crisp for a rookie. Um, I, I think he's going to keep getting better um, in the preseason. They're going to keep letting guys kind of show what they have there. And when it comes when it came to Paris, I mean, I wanted to see him create his own separation, even if Reich's going to scheme him open during the regular season. And I didn't see it much in this first game, man. Let me, um, let me ask y'all a question uh, real fast, not to interrupt you, but I just wanted to hit on that point because I haven't had a chance to watch the All-22 back yet. Was that a drop that Paris had on the on the sideline? Excuse me. I, it was a did, t- it hit his, it, did it hit his hands? One. So it, I couldn't it, really see it. I don't know if I'd say it hit his hands. It kind of hits him in the arm because he makes a diving attempt back to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I doubt it was credited as a drop because okay. he makes a he makes a pretty crazy attempt to get back to it. I mean, it, it would have been a dummy completion if he found a way to get there. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, the play the ball, you're talking about. About I, I think I remember it was like yeah. a tough ball. Yeah, I couldn't see it because the way the camera was, you know, the sideline, the players were standing yeah. right there. So you couldn't during live see it. Action, during live yeah. action, I didn't know if it was a catch, an interception, an incompletion. Yeah, yeah you like, couldn't see anything. Buffalo started celebrating. I was like, oh, crap, did he throw an interception? Right. The way they, yeah. So that's why I was asking. I mean, for, for me, Dustin, to your point, and that was part of his draft profile. That's what we talked about when he was drafted. His footwork at the line of scrimmage was one of the best in the draft, even though he was drafted 54th overall. That was, we we talked about it on the show. You talked about it numerous times. Rashad talked about it numerous times. And his, and I remember, you know, the play that you're talking about, he just just beat him. And to beat press coverage, that footwork is one of the best things you could possibly have. I'm not too worried about him. Again, you know, for a route runner, I think he's, he's pretty crisp. The one thing that I do, you know, w- want to see him get a little bit better at is when Rashad, you mentioned it, that play against uh, Kyrie Elam, one of my favorite corners in this uh, past draft out of Florida. That press coverage, you know, could it could it be, you know, pass interference? Uh, could it be, you know, usually hands to the, the face? It looked like yeah. a hands to the face. Too. Yeah. Um, when you get to the season. You, you can't rely on the refs to bail you out there. You, you just right. can't. You have to. He has to learn as a rookie to, you know, what, what's the word I'm trying to look for? He has to use his body better when in those situations, especially if you're just running that slant route that he did. You got to get better a little bit at those routes because especially if it's in press, just how can you box him out? How can you catch it better? I want to see him do that. And it was good rookie on rookie action, man. That was great uh, coverage by Elam and Pierce. I want to see a little bit more Paris again. Didn't see too much. Uh, I didn't see too much separation. It wasn't a good day in terms, if I just had to say, like in terms of the starters, I wouldn't say it was a good day for Paris at all. Uh, But again, I mean, they weren't really doing anything scheme wise. So we could probably keep it there. Again, the depth guys, Kiki Kuti didn't really do much to separate themselves. Uh, Everybody behind get hurt or, or, and, didn't get hurt so that's the biggest win out of for everybody well no so. i was saying kiki got hurt so to his defense he wasn't able to be put a full game together because of the girl right so we could table that discussion until we start hearing more from these joint practices and when they play detroit uh this saturday but the tight end room now i want to go a little bit 
little bit player by player. We don't have to be too long. But again, I'm going to start with Drew Ogletree because that seems like that was the bigger story coming out of Saturday and really so far thus, thus far in training camp. Dustin, let me give it to you here. Drew Ogletree, obviously he was the raw product, wasn't really ex- expected to be tight end four. Seems like he's tight end three, tight end two at most times. Johnny Woods all the way down at tight end four, rather. Uh, what was your, you know, your, your take on Drew Ogletree on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I thought Drew showed what he could do a little bit. The touchdown that got taken away, man, he was an angry runner out there. Uh, I, I think That's it was a touchdown Kyle to me. Brandt. Yeah, say so it's Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football does that uh, angry running scepter or whatever. Uh huh. Drew Drew was running mad during that touchdown run that got ended up getting pulled back. But uh, I think he's gonna be fun, man. I think he really showed out a little bit in his blocking ability on Saturday too. Um, it, it's because it's good to have that big body. It's good that you're gonna be able to work in the red zone. But if you're gonna get on the field consistently, that run blocking is gonna be a huge area where he can step step into that role. And I think he showed that he can do that at a con- pretty consistent rate. I mean, I think. For a day three pick, it's kind of hard to lock up a uh, 53-man roster spot on August 16th when we're talking right now. But I think he's all but done it. Yeah, I felt like even, you know, before we came into this game, Drew Ogletree was pretty much a lock for this roster. I know me and you all, we knew how long they had been eyeing this guy and targeting Drew Ogletree. And he he pretty much fit the bill. You know, everything they thought about him as a player, he's came in and he's delivered. A guy that's a little bit on the older side, much more mature. And you can see it. You know, that that's what I think separates him and Jelani Woods at this point is, is the maturity. Ogletree just seems like he's a lot more experienced. We know Jelani just made the switch to tight end a couple of years ago. So he's still figuring out some things. The little nuances of the position is, is the things I think that he has to develop later on. And you only get that by, by experience. But Ogletree, man, stud, big catch radius. A physical guy at the point of attack. Uh, Love the way he blocks. Got so soft hands. I think he had a drop in the game. Um, I think he had a drop in the game. But he's been the model of consistent. I, I can say, in my opinion, throughout camp and the first preseason game, he's been the most consistent tight end that we had. You know, Mo, Mo haven't done much. And, and you don't need him to at this point. We know what Mo is. We know who he is. So uh, I'm not expecting him to do anything. But I, I love Ogletree, man. I love his game. And... I can't wait to talk about the next guy because the next guy is my guy, man. I I like the next guy. We know who he is and we know what he is. Destin, you want to kill him for that too? Well, he came for me. Hey, I I didn't kill anybody. Is that a diss saying we know we know who Mo is, right? I thought we all knew who I I think the difference though is when me and Rashad say I'm not a believer. Well, when me and Rashad say, oh, oh no, we know we that. know what Moali Cox is, like we know he's like a solid contributor, like right. not gonna be a flashy tight end one across the league, but he but he's a solid contributor. When yeah. you say you know what he is, you think he's trash and shouldn't uh, be even on the starting rotation. That, that that's and, and not the best basketball player on the team. Oh gosh, this this man. Mike's Mike's ridiculous. on the team in football. Golly. Okay. <laughs> You would have me if he was in the NBA, but he's tight end one for the Colts now, okay? So, uh, but for, for me, Drew Ogletree, he looked better than I expected, honestly. Uh, I, I haven't been out to practice like, like Destin and a lot of other people, so I haven't been able to watch him close. I, I haven't seen what he looks like, but he looked a lot better than I expected. He embraced contact as a blocker. He blocked a lot better than I thought he would. 
uh, mm-hmm. blocked better than Granson, blocked better than uh, Woods, and he just embraced it. His technique is already already a little bit polished. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so th- th- that's always a good thing when you're a rookie like that. Ran a couple good routes, uh, obviously, and like you said, Rashad uh, ha- had a drop. You know, he knew contact was coming. Didn't focus on the catch. He- he's got to give j- just being on the field getting those reps is just going to help him get better and better. Moving on is Rashad. Rashad. Kylan Granson is the next guy. Rashad, tell us what you thought about Kylan Granson, because obviously he's probably tight end too. He was a coach's draft pick. Frank Reich raved about him. So obviously this could be a big year for him. What did you think about him on Saturday? The guy Frank Reich has been waiting on, man. You know, he's been waiting on his arrival They've been waiting on him to show up and deliver. He struggled in training camp, a couple of practices, you know, had some drop issues, but he's clearly the most explosive tight end that they have, man. And like I said, consistently, the way he wins is just different from anybody in the room, you know. Nobody in that room can separate the way Kylan Granson is, can. His feet, his footwork is phenomenal. Uh, he makes some tough catches and that's the tricky thing about it. he can make a tough catch and then he can come back and have a mental lapse uh the, the very next play you know you just want to focus on him consistent but the Colts have been making it a priority to get him the ball even at training camp practices uh they've been putting they even put him in the backfield gave him a toss uh I, I saw at one of the practices it's even been a practice where they threw him three straight balls you know like he's a guy that Matt Ryan has consistently been trying to establish a rhythm and connection with and I think that for this offense to go where it needs to go uh, for this offense to be a top 10 offense he has to be one of the difference makers that this team has we know about the struggles at wide receiver and the consistent play that we're not getting. So you have to look for other areas to kind of help you with that. You know, you want Naheem Hines catching the ball, you need Kylan Granson catching the ball, Mo Ali Cox. Everybody kind of has to pitch in for this thing to work when you don't have just bona fide stars as weapons in the passing game. So I think Kylan Granson can be an integral piece this season. And he, he showed a little bit of that in this past preseason game. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot this offseason. The thing that's gonna that was always gonna separate Granson from the pack here in the tight end room was that he's just gonna have a very significantly different skill set than the rest of the guys. Um, and the thing with Granson, and I don't think a lot of people have ever thought about it, with Jack Doyle retiring, there were multiple key things Doyle did to an to this offense that you had to fill the voids. Um, his blocking ability is going to have to get filled. I don't think Granson's going to fill that void. No. So I think when a lot of people are thinking about it, they're like, oh, one person needs to come in and fill Doyle's responsibilities. And that's not, I don't think that's going to be the approach the Colts take. Um, I think they're, they're going to let a lot of the blocking issues fall on a lot of these other bigger guys. But one of the big things that Doyle meant to this team was that third down catch, find the empty hole. Like it wasn't a route given to Doyle. He was, hey, go find an opening, get open. And if we need to hit you, we hit you. And I think they've just used Granson a lot in that way in camp. You saw it a little bit in that in the game on Saturday. They're going to use him in the middle of the field, get him the ball, and let him move with it. Um, he's going to have to make sure those drop issues fade to the back, to the past a little bit if he really wants to have that role that Doyle had. But I really think that's what they're setting him up for. When you watch him in camp, when you watch him on Saturday, like that is one of the things they want Granson to be the guy to pick up. 
Yeah, Granson looked a little bit more natural at the position to me, looked a little bit more polished as a route runner. So that's always good to see. Again, he's a little bit of a smaller tight end, so maybe he can move a lot better than these other guys can. Only thing that I really saw that was a problem, just a pre-snap, false start, just just clean that up, pay attention. That's really the only negative that I saw from, from Granson. Again, he is a little smaller. We've talked about what can he be as a blocker. Uh, he wasn't really blocking too much in, in this game. He was being used as that receiver. So uh, the other guy that I thought, you know, had, had an okay, okay game. He was a rookie, right? Jelani Woods. But there's one thing that he did show on Saturday is why he should be featured in the red zone this season. Sam Ellinger just throws it up. Jelani, Jelani Woods out jumps everybody for a touchdown. So I, I, that's all I wanted to see, really. Just lob it up, jump farther than anyone else on the field, and you got the touchdown. Dustin, uh, let me go with you here. For Jelani Woods, was there anything, you know, you, you thought he could work on a little bit? Is there something that you thought he was ahead of? Yeah, when it came to Jelani Woods, the things he was going to have to work on is he just has to find a way to look more comfortable out there um, because that's just what his issue in training camp has been. He's just looked a little out of place. He's just not looked fully comfortable route running. He's not looked fully comfortable catching the ball yet. And I think on Saturday he inched a little closer. And I even thought to myself on Saturday, man, this looks a lot different than how they're using him in camp and in practice. And then Zach Kiefer came out today after talking with coach, um, tight end coach Clayton Adams, saying from Adams, what Jelani will be asked to do during the regular season is a lot different than what we're asking him to do during training camp. Because we just want to see what he can do right now. So that's the thing that stood out to me on Saturday. I really think this guy's game is just meant for, for live action football. It's going to be meant for that red zone area. I think right now they're going to try to find out what other ways they can get him on the field day one. I think the depth chart looking like he's tied in four is going to scare some people because he was a third round pick. I think they really like the kid. They like the guy. I think they see the skill set that he has. They're going to get him on the field. And I think we just have not seen at all the way he's going to get used yet. And that excites me about Saturday. Who do you think will have a bigger role as a rookie in the Colts offense this season? Drew Ogletree or Jelani Woods? Make sure you comment down below and let us know your take and what you thought about Drew Ogletree and Jelani Woods. Next up, we're going to talk about the left tackle battle that's going on right now between Matt Pryor and uh, the uh, third round rookie Bernard Ryman. So we've always you know, we've been going back and forth on the show. Saturday was finally something we could just finally say, okay, they're going against someone else. What can they do? So, uh, Rashad, let me start with you on this one. The left tackle battle, we saw Matt Pryor, I think it was for three uh, series, Bernard Ryman, I believe five. So what did you think about uh, each guy? And, you know, what what did they, what, what were some of the mistakes you saw, some of the negatives and some of the po positives? Oh, with Matt Pryor, um, I think he, I think he had a solid, not solid, but I don't think he played as bad as as everybody's saying he played. I think he had a couple. I think he did have some bad reps though, and it just pretty much confirmed what I already thought my evaluation was of him already, and it's that he's gonna he's gonna struggle with speed rushes. Like it is no debate. Uh, I don't think it's anything he can do to change that between now and it's just who he is as a player. You know, with his size. Uh, he, he can handle the bull rush. He can handle power. But guys that's just flying off, that's just pin their ears back and fly off the edge, he is going to struggle, man. He's going to have his moments where 
he looks like he's not ready for what's going on. Uh, that's pretty much much of the same what I saw uh, against in the Buffalo game. You know, as far as Ryman, I thought it was interesting that he played the rest of the game. Once he came, uh, once he came in, he, he stayed in throughout with the twos and threes. He was just in for the rest of the game. I, I think it was good to get him those reps, especially since at training camp, he's not been getting reps with the ones. You know, you need to get him as many live bullets as possible. So I think that was important for him. I like that Frank's doing that. Uh, of course, he had an easier job. He was going against a little bit less competition than prior. But Ryman showed me a lot, man. You know, I thought he was a guy opposite of prior that, that was going to struggle with power and, and with guys that, that gives him a bull rush directly. But he handled it pretty well, man. He handled himself pretty well. Uh, it was definitely encouraging. And, and I know there's a lot of people that that really want Ryman to win this job. I mean, even when you look from a team structural standpoint for us financially, it'd just be beneficial to have a third rounder win the left tackle job and, and go on to be a left tackle of the future. You not have to worry about paying that guy for a few years down the line, especially when you commit so much money to your offensive line already. It's just a beneficial thing to have Ryman win. And I think the Colts are going to sometime soon is going to just see what he, you have to give him some snaps with the ones and just see what he can do. You know, uh, uh, I know it was Pryor's job. Like, like Ballard said, he'll get the first crack at it. And I think Ballard has been fair in upholding that. You know, he's been given every opportunity to snatch this job, and he, he hasn't quite done it. So I think eventually you're going to move into that direction. Wouldn't be surprised if it's at a joint practice uh, against the Lions or if it's in the last preseason game, they just decide to, to let him start and, and just see what he can do, man, because until he's thrown in a fire, we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Matt Pryor's game, I knew going in, he's a solid up and down blocker. Uh, when it comes to run blocking, not many guys are just going to go through him. And it's part of the reason I just wish there was a way to have him as that like rotational guard, um, rotational right tackle piece. Um, because the thing that's going to worry me and worries me on Saturday is he just has no answer to speed rushers. His get off off the line is just very below average is what I saw again on Saturday. And I guess that's just the area that I'm kind of worried about. I think the team is going to still be like, I think last year they were probably like 70, 30, and then the occasional like 85, 15 run to pass this year. They probably want to be more like 60, 40 run pass. So there's still going to be a significant run balance there. So I don't think prior starting a few games here and there would be a big issue. The big one for me is you just can't have your blindside blocker being a liability in pass pro. And that, that I really, that's what I see prior at right now. And if I can move him to guard, if I can move him to right tackle, even I would be way more comfortable with Matt Pryor being in my starting lineup. Um, it just being in the left tackle, being in a 37 year old, I wouldn't call Matt Ryan immobile, but not uh, mobile right. um, at 37 years old. Um, I do not want his blindside protector to be a liability in pass pro. We saw Eric Fisher show that a little bit last year. And I, I just do not want to see any situation where Matt Ryan's put into the turf at a unhealthy amount because of that. So that, that's my big takeaway there. And then Ryman, it's almost a flip, man, which is that's – that's the crazy thing about this battle. I mean, Ryman, I think it's opposite. I think he has a very solid foundation in pass pro. His get-off off the line is pretty solid. Um, I think his hand, his footwork are very – 
mechanical almost where they just boom bam it happens every single time and then in run for in run protection he just has a very he's struggling with leverage he's really struggling with that center mass and being able to push back when a defender pushes him um so there's just different areas right now where i see both of them struggling and we'll kind of see how it all plays out i mean i would love to see ryman get some run with the ones here in the near future just to see if he looks like he fits because that's the other thing for me is that whenever i look at the starting five right now i just don't think matt Pryor fits in that left tackle spot so after saturday here here's what i'm like and i know the fans already know like i'm with Pryor, you're with ryman uh but here after Saturday, oh really? I didn't notice. I here, hadn't noticed. Here, here's where I'm stuck. If mm-hmm. Matt Pryor doesn't fit with the ones, how does Ryman fit with the ones? That's my question. This, this is where I'm stuck now because talking about Matt Pryor real quick, uh, we already knew he was a great run blocker. That's not surprising. He won every run block rep on Saturday. Not not surprising. We know how good he is and how how massive he is as a guard in that in that situation. So. No surprise there. He lost three total pass block reps, in my opinion, and all were us. Two were speed rush. The other one, dude just got moved out of the way. Uh, I think that was the the sack. He just got moved out the way. I was very disappointed in that one. Uh, He looked a, a little... A little bit unnatural to me playing the position. If I'm if I'm being objective, if I'm bringing objectivity objectivity to the conversation, he looked a little bit a little bit unnatural on Saturday. He did. He looked like obviously what we know he hasn't played left tackle in the nfl he's not used to that speed on that left end he's usually going against tackles and everything um that 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 was my thing with uh with prior i think another thing that i noticed was he was backing up and waiting too long for contact waiting too long as a tackle you can't just sit back and wait for the guy to come to you no you gotta back up brace for that and you just gotta grab the man that's what you got to do. And he wasn't doing that enough for me to feel comfortable about him being left tackle one week one. I, I It gave me a little bit of pause for concern. With Ryman, I reached out to you guys, not just Des, I reached out to you guys Saturday night, said I did not see whatever this uh, next-gen stat Destiny threw at me, 86.5% win rate. I thought I was tripping. I know I didn't smoke nowhere marijuana or anything. Did someone you know poison my drink at all? I reached out to a few people, man, am I tripping or what? Cause I, I just didn't see 86% win rate and they got back with me. They, they didn't agree either. It was not for me, my little bit 80. They just didn't see high 69, low 70. That's what they saw. Because if we're going to sit here and say Matt Pryor was, you know, struggling here, what about with what Bernard Ryman was struggling? He was losing reps against threes. You can't sit there and tell me Bernard Ryman needs to be out there against Micah Parsons, against Chandler Jones, against all these pass rushers that we're going to see. You you just can't tell me that. If we're going to be are objective you, all the way you, here. But are you saying you would just, rather Matt Pryor block Micah Parsons than Bernard Ryman? I would. In pass Matt protection? Strength-wise, I mean, really – that question doesn't even doesn't is not a good question, Destin. Because if either one of them as you a threw right his name now, out. If, if either one of them are right there week one, we're screwed. We're screwed either way. I I didn't say either one of them is taking Micah Parsons and shoving him into the turf or anything. I'm not right. saying either of them are winning <laughs> the rep. Asking me, I'm, I'm saying you threw... at the end of the day, Micah Parsons might have six sacks alone when we but play you, Dallas. I'm, on ju- Sun, I'm Sunday just night. saying you threw Micah Parsons out. Yes. I'm just asking you, looking at what Micah Parsons does, 
you, Which would you rather good. have mm-hmm. Matt Pryor or Bernard Ryman in pass protection against that guy? Because objectively, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't see a way you can say Matt Pryor in pass protection. I don't, that's see, I, I don't see a way, even if it's up against Matt Pryor, why are we making this like Bernard Ryman is the best option when he's probably right now as a rookie, it's not his fault. He's got to get better at it. He's got to take time. And I'm not even trying to trying to push him down at all. He's a rookie, dude. He started football late. He started football late. He's not there he's yet. He's been a to, tackle for three years. I agree. One. He's not there yet. So I feel better if he's on the bench or if something happens to Pryor or even if he wins the job day one. I'm still nervous as hell right now, whether if it's Pryor, sorry, dude, if it's Pryor or Ryman. I'm, I'm nervous either way about that left left, left tackle spot. And I know y'all are probably thinking, man, you could come out here and say Matt Pryor won. Matt Pryor did not, you know, make me look good. I'll just say that. I'm not really – it's not even an emphasis that I think Bernard Ryman is the overall best player to put at left tackle at this moment in time. It's just, to me, with a 37-year-old quarterback and the running backs that we have right now, I would prioritize pass pro over run pro at the left tackle spot. And if you put both Ryman and Pryor in front of me, I believe – full on because of technique and actual and what their skill sets line up with. I believe Bernard Ryman is the better pass protection tackle at this moment. We've not been able to see him with the ones. That is a true point. So I, I that's where I'm agreeing with Rashad in the sense is I think we have to see him with the ones before we can get to that point. But skill set wise, Ryman has the better skill set to be a pass protection left tackle for the blind side. That, that's really where my opinion lies on it. And you're correct there. I do think he has the better skill set wise, but that's in two years. I'm talking about right here, right now. You're not wrong when you talk about he long-term and objectively he's better. You're not wrong. But as of right now, I mean, against the speed, he struggled against speed guys and they weren't even the starters on Saturday. He was struggling. The arm, the arm length is an issue is what I saw. That's an issue. And it's going to be, if he struggled like this, and again, it was his, it was his first game but if this continues i can't sit up here and say man i'd rather prime prior or ryman i think i might start the trade for a left tackle train because i just objectively i just can't say on saturday either one gave me made me feel good about the possibility of either one of them stepping out there week one uh both of them had okay days i think ryman had a little little bit of a better although he had more playing time than prior but other than that, run blocking was not his strong suit. Pass blocking, he did. It was just back and forth for me, really, uh, again. I mean, I would have to really sit down with you and tell you what I'm seeing. You tell me what you're seeing. I just didn't see this 86%. That was way too high from what I saw. Um, other than that, the other negative, I mean, he had a pass interference call, blocking way too far downfield. Just have better awareness other than that. Third-round rookie, that's what – that's what you expect. Getting to the other offensive linemen here, or were, were we done with the left tackles? Yeah. All right. Done. All right. So with the offensive linemen coming back, obviously 2021 wasn't the strongest, strongest uh, year of performance for these guys, mostly due to injury and unfortunate events. But Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Braden Smith were back out there on the field. Quentin Nelson looked like he was bulldozing guys, man. He was he was out there. He was out there again. Braden Smith out there. Ryan Kelly. I want to ask you guys, uh, Rashad, let me start with you. 
just these three guys alone? How, how did they look? You know, did they give you a little bit of, you know, feel good about, okay, I feel like these guys will return to 2020 form? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Quentin Nelson working his way back from an injury, uh, insisted on playing today. Uh, I mean, playing Saturday. I'm sorry. You really wanted to play in that game. Uh, looked pretty much like itself. You know, uh, Braden Smith uh, played well, played well. Just a solid, consummate professional that he's been. Ryan Kelly, sir. Sir, Ryan Kelly. Tim Settle. He, he Tim Settle handed you your ass Saturday, man. I, he He was applying pressure. He was pushing the pocket backwards. He looked like he was giving you all you can handle. Uh, it's the first game, and I know you're a Pro Bowl caliber player, one of the top ten at your position. Um, hopefully it was just you, you know, knocking the rust off for the first time, engaging at full strength, you know, against other competition other than your teammates, you know. But hopefully you get that corrected. Because you looked it rough Saturday, you know. You looked it a little rough. A little rough for me to be comfortable with. I was so busy thinking I had to worry about Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter. I found myself seeing you get pushed back more than any other starter. So uh, that was concerning to me. It raised my eyebrows a little bit. But hopefully you get it together. And you'll be much sharper when you play Detroit. When you scrimmage Detroit, I should say, uh, today. Later on today. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Kelly was one of the starters that you had to circle after the game where he just didn't look like himself. And the first preseason game does bring you that for guys at times. I mean, it's the first live full game action that any of these guys have seen in the entire offseason and since the Jacksonville game, really. Um, so I don't know if I'd say Saturday made me overall worried that Kelly's not going to be able to perform the entire year. But Saturday, he lost reps. Saturday, he looked bad. Um, I'll say he responded well already again at camp today. There was a rep against him and DeForest Buckner where would he have been flagged for maybe putting his hands a little high on Buck? Maybe. Um, but man, he was pushing that man back and Buck's a big dude. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I, I'm just curious to see what Ryan Kelly looks like down the stretch. I'm not overall worried about it, but Saturday was a bad day for the guy. Bad day, unfortunately, for Ryan Kelly. Quentin Nelson, everything I thought in general was a great day for him other than getting destroyed on one rep. I, Man, it, it was – I kept seeing a 90-something. I couldn't make out the number of this player. I don't know if it was Daniel Joseph, Ed Oliver, but Quentin Nelson got thrown back, and it was just the one bad rep he had all day. I'll, I mean, he had a great day overall, so I'll, I'll forgive that as well. Braden Smith had a good day, but getting into these other guys, you know, Destin, you talked to me, I believe it was Saturday night, and you told me who was the highest rated lineman Saturday. Who was that? Yeah, I mean, I was speaking with a buddy who uh, he, he does a little bit of his own math stats, um, and those stats aren't officially out yet, so I'm going to try to keep – from giving those percents off and kind of ruining his buzz when he does put it out. Um, but using the system that he grades on, Danny Pinter was the highest rated offensive lineman for the Colts on Saturday. Um, and for me, even before knowing any of that information, I felt like the guys you were watching on the starting lineup going in was prior and Pinter. And you kind of mentioned it with prior a little bit. He just doesn't look naturally 
at left tackle. And the weird thing about Pinter, man, is Pinter was in college at Ball State, was a tight end who converted to tackle, guard, center, played a little bit of everything, got into the NFL, and the Colts were like, yeah, he's a little small to be a guard. He is a center. We are going to make him the backup center to Ryan Kelly. Barely got right guard snaps, would come in and play here and there whenever he was needed. And then going into camp, it was like, well, there isn't another right guard option. So Pinter is going to have the first team reps to start it out. We just kind of threw him out there. Um, and that's something you can put on Ballard and co is that there's multiple spots where that's where they kind of are doing right now where they didn't put a, a fix there. So they're upgrading guys to spots, but Pinter has made him look smart in that area. Um, he looks comfortable at guard. He looks natural. He did not make himself a problem and he was just winning reps in both the pass pro run pro and on the interior, he was next to Ryan Kelly, who was losing snaps and Pinter was right next to him winning. Um, I mean, there's nothing really else to say. I mean, I feel like Pinter was one of the biggest winners from Saturday's game um, before I had any um, other stats to kind of back that information up. But um, I, I'm pumped to see Pinter the rest of the preseason in training camp. I mean, we thought the right guard was going to be a battle spot, and so far it's just been all his snaps, and it doesn't look like he's turning around anytime soon. I like Danny Pinter, man. Uh, I like Danny Pinter. You know, he showed flashes last season. Uh, th this season, I think I expect him to pick up right way left off. I know we've seen him play on the second team, you know, move over to center. Uh, there was a lot of second team guys that I was impressed with as well. Um, I know we, I know I've seen all the memes of the second team offensive line, man. You know, the the, the French. The hey, French man, well, didn't we talk about that on the last show? Didn't <laughs> we, we talk that. about that? We need the memes. We need our credit for calling that. I didn't hear anybody mention that they was looking forward to French fries, and we did it on the show. But, of course, we won't get credit because the whole world was talking about it. I saw it on Mad National NFL pages. So it's over with now. We missed out on our opportunity. The Blue Stable can, not getting credit. Crazy. We, we can say we're a little salty. French fries, salty, whatever. So I liked what I saw. The with dad jokes returned. <laughs> <laughs> I liked what I saw with uh, with Danny Pinter, man. Uh, he really surprised me as far as improving upon his strength. I thought that was going to be an issue for him coming out of college. And he, he's gotten a lot stronger being in his coach uh, system for the past year. And, and I think he has the potential to solidify himself as the right guard of the future. You know, the coach made a calculated move moving on from Glowinski. Uh, who I hope he 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 heals from his injury. He, he got hurt last preseason game with the Giants. Uh, I think it was a toe injury. But they went. They couldn't afford to spend and pay Glowinski to come back. So they had to cut down somewhere. They, they trusted Danny Pinter to come in. And, and he's done a great job so far, man. Yeah, Danny Pinter looked good, everybody. Will Fries even looked good himself. We're going to switch over to the defense right now. And talking about the defensive line, I'll tell you this, the defensive line just might be, I cannot believe I'm saying this after the last four years, but the defensive line, ladies and gentlemen, just might be our biggest strength on this team. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I didn't think I would say that today, but man, I, I felt good about Yannick Ngakwe and DeForest Buckner. Yannick Ngakwe looked good on Saturday. He got very minimal run. I believe Buckner even got more reps than he did, but he won quite a few reps. He was quick off the ball. 
Uh, Grover Stewart, of course, you know, just talking about the starters right now, he looked solid. He's going to be that nose tackle in the middle, immovable object, stop the run. That's going to be his job. Quiddy Pay, uh, you know, may, what I wanted to see more, okay, but in the first preseason game, I want to hear how these joint practices go and then that dress rehearsal against Tampa Bay. But as for the starting unit, guys, what were y'all's initial takes on how Yannick Ngakwe looked? Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see what Yannick's been doing. I mean, that's just what he's looked like the entire camp process. He He's just a guy that looks like he's given 110% in camp and preseason when most guys out there are given like 75% right now. Um, and everybody else will get back to the 100. I just don't think Yannick knows how to turn that dial down. Um, so he's just like that type, just that high motor type of guy. Um, I'm pumped, man. We just haven't had a guy like this in a minute. I mean – we're, we're done with the Al-Qadim Muhammad edge one years. And um, it's, it's, it might sound rude to just harp on Al-Qadim Muhammad's time here, but I, I blame the staff more, more than anybody for him being the number one edge over him. Um, but Yannick, man, he's going to be fun. Um, he, he's going to be the best edge the Colts have seen in, in a while. It's just so not, and not to knock the last regime or the last group of guys that was here coaching. Great staff, top ten uh, top ten defensive unit uh, during their time during their tenure here, but it just was so great to see that defensive line as a whole. You know, the individual play was great, but just seeing multiple guys that can beat one on ones and, and get home is it, just what you like to see, man. And, and I saw consistent pressure. Uh, I know Gus Bradley doesn't blitz a lot, and, and when your guys are winning one on one, when you're scheming up one on ones for your guys and they're getting the job done because you have multiple guys on the defensive line that can beat one-on-one. And you don't have to blitz. You know, the pressure the pressure's still going to be high. We, we knew the Raiders were one of the best teams in, in pressure rates, and, and they rarely blitz. So I, I just love to see that, to being able to drop seven guys off in the coverage and only send four and still get pressure and affect the quarterback. Uh, you just got to love it, man. And, and that's what I saw with, with the starting unit. And with the backup unit, I know you're going to get to that next, but I I just loved seeing guys win, man. It just it felt like it's been so long since we saw edge guys. We were relying on Buckner as the only legit pass rush threat, and, and it just took a toll on him. As you can see throughout the season, you know, some of his production goes down. To, it was multiple games, and we're saying, where's DeForest Buckner? He needs to be this. He needs to be that. Well, he's constantly getting double teamed. It's only on him. If he doesn't get production, then his team doesn't get any production. Like, and so I think it's better now that he's in a much better situation. And we'll see the best version of DeForest Buckland, I think, that we saw since he's came here. So better than the 66th best uh, player 66, in the NFL? 66, man. <laughs> so disrespectful, man. So How disrespectful. the hell is he 66, man? Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them, be, like, like Rashad said, because of the lack of presence around him last year and the amount of – of offense pre- like attention he got it, it was hard for him to have that same impact I mean so 66 I, I think it's just a number to remember this year when there's an edge presence of how good DeForest Buckner actually is hey man when we talking about you know Rashad talking about winning especially with the backup unit first off let's talk about Eric Johnson Curtis Brooke the two rookies I thought they looked solid you know that those two uh, first, first steps off the line are crucial. And Curtis Brooks, he, he looks solid. Eric Johnson looked quick. I liked what I saw. 
but we about to talk about two gentlemen that won the day that won that damn day Cameron Klein had the best day for the defensive lineman the guy was everywhere he was everywhere he was getting pressure from the outside he was stopping the run he was disruptive that was a really good performance man I want to see if he can keep this thing up going because he's not a starter so he'll play against Detroit and we'll see how much run he gets in the rehearsal game but I I was really really pleased to see this from Cameron Klein a guy who's been with the team uh for, for a little bit he made some moves on Saturday. He made some moves. He might be coming for Ophidio Dingbo's job right now. So that's all I got to say. And then Ben Banigou, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Banigou, the guy has come and through the preseason so far, he just looked so natural out there. He looked like he was unleashing, definitely added some muscle to him this offseason. He was quick. He was, he, he added some, he added a few moves. Ben, you think we didn't notice that? He added a few moves. It makes a difference when your development is focused on, it's prioritized, and it matters. It matters, okay? I'm not going to go on that usual rant as always, but I'm, I'm done with that. And now I'm focusing on what the future can look like with the starting unit and the backup unit. I thought it was a great day from the defensive line all around Curtis Brooks, Eric Johnson, Cameron Klein, man. I didn't expect that. Ben Bandigo and obviously the starters looked good. And the thing about Klein that, I mean, he, he came here as an interior guy. Um, so he slimmed up a lot. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember what he looked like as an undrafted free agent out of Syracuse coming in. And there was some hype around him a little bit. Cause he, the kid has talent. Um, but he was an interior guy who looked like an interior guy, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and he looks like an entirely different person. Like, I didn't even know who it was at first when I saw the ref get one. Um, and then I saw the number and I was like, holy crap, that's Cameron Klein. Um, like, like you said, he looked impressive. Um, I would be interested to see if he could step into some second team reps. But, I mean, the, him slimming down and there's just a bunch of pop out this defensive line, man. The first unit, the second unit. Um Eric Johnson's first step as advertised, right, guys? Like, guy, like I'm telling you, that yes, that is sir. the thing you see in camp with him where it's like, wow. And there were some guys talking about it a little bit because he he did a bunch of those uh, different showcases through the draft cycle as a smaller school guy. Um, so he was kind of going to multiple different places to get some attention on his name a little bit. And I can only imagine what that first step was doing to some small-town kids, man, some small school kids. Um, I, I, oh man, I, I just would hate to have been the offensive coordinators trying to plan for those kind of things, man, playing him. I, I'm excited for him. I'm, I think Curtis Brooks has a role he can win here as well. Um, and we can talk about Ben Banigou, a TCU guy me and Mike will agree upon here. I, I just think Ben <laughs> looks like he belongs in a Leo spot, man. Like, I just think that spot is perfect for his skill set. And, this is the year, man, for him. It, it's show out or this is it for the Colts tenure with him. So I'm excited to see um, what Ben does because I think he has that backup Leo spot um, in his grasp right now and a firm hold on that spot. Um, so I really think that he's going to have the highest snap count in his career for sure. So real quick before you go, Rashad, not to get ahead of the topics here, but Live from training camp today was Destin Adams. And, and I quote a tweet that went out. Ben Banigou beats best rookie 
Ryman on multiple reps. Ben's get off is looking impressive so far in camp. So the the hype around Ben Bandigu is real, and I just wanted to keep it going, especially with Cameron Klein, man. That guy, keep that keep that stuff up, man. Rashad, what you got on this defensive line? Man, it's been such a long time where you could call out multiple guys. You know, I alluded to it earlier when I was speaking about the starters, but the, the backup guys played if better than starters, you know, uh, playing against their peers, you know, other second, second and third string. Uh, a couple of guys popped. Eric Johnson, like he spoke about that first step, man, is explosive. He is a, a freak, you know, as far as his athletic profile, uh, still a bit raw. But once he puts it all together, this guy has high, high upside, man. And I think that's what the coach see in him. Coach just would like to get their hands on him. He's like that ball, that, that ball of clay, you know, you want to mold. And I think they can turn him into something special potentially. Curtis Brooks is the polished guy. He looks like it out there. He, he looks like he's ahead of where any other rookie would be playing in their first game. He's, he's beating guys. He can win from multiple spots. He can win inside. He can win outside. Uh, Banagoo, veteran here now, you know, what, third year in the system? He, he Fourth year in the system. Well, going into his fourth year in the system. Uh, freakish athlete, like I always talk about coming out of college. And now the Leo position has really unlocked him. It's really allowing him to pin his ears back, not have to worry about any run responsibility initially. You know, just go get a, go get after the quarterback. Just go, Ben, because that's what you do best, you know. That's what he does best. He's learning moves. He's getting better with his hands. I've watched him develop over the last couple of years. Uh, he's a guy that's ready, I think, to take a step. And we know Gus like to rotate a lot, man. So these guys are going to play a lot. It's not like these second-string guys are guys that's just in here for a breather. To No, these guys are going to get rotated early and often because you like to keep a fresh pass rush. Gus Bradley prioritizes that. You know, he don't want Yannick reaching a certain amount of snaps. He don't want DeForest Buckner going over a certain number. Uh, Dio, we know is going. He, he had an explosive day, uh, as we saw on the advanced metrics. It's a couple of guys, man, that have a real opportunity to make an impact. Uh, the other Dangbo, I, I don't want to um, forget about him as well. He played he played decent as well. You know, there was there was a, a run play that he lost contain on earlier on the first series, but that was kind of like the defense just getting the jitters out early in the game. Once they settled down, he made a big stop in the red zone. That was surely good to see. Uh, the rest of these guys are, are really, really playing well and look very productive out there Saturday against the Buffalo Bills, man. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back to school time, and we want to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth-generation performance package is just that. Be ready for whatever is in your daily schedule this year. It's the perfect package for your package and includes the brand-new Lawn Mower 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code BSTABLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. So now, getting into the linebackers. The linebackers look pretty solid. Uh, Bobby Okereke, couple of notes on him. I mean, he looked a little bit better off, you know, getting off those initial blocks when the uh, when the lineman gets to the second level. Looked better at that. Zaire Franken looked like he got a little bit better in zone coverage. The rookies, Weatherford had a hell of a day, eight total tackles. 
uh, Jojo Doman looked as advertised. He looked like he knew where he was going. He knew what his assignment was. EJ Speed looked a little bit good out there. There was one play where the running back went to the right. Quiddy Pay, I believe, did a good job setting the edge on that one. He cut back inside. EJ Speed right there, you know, just have a little bit more of, you know, uh, of your responsibility, discipline on that. Don't, you know, he, he just – he bailed on his assignment a little bit. He was the linebacker on that play, the strong side. He was supposed to stay there in case that were to happen. He was there for the tackle. Just, just be a little bit better right there. But overall, the linebacker room, I thought, had a good day. Rashad, what was your take on, on the linebacker room on Saturday? Uh, the linebacker room uh, played play well overall. You know, they played well out there in space. They matched up on a couple of guys in coverage. Uh, Sterling Weatherford, my guy. I'm a Sterling guy. Love him. Love his game. He made a big interception in late, I believe, in the third quarter. I think it was the fifth takeaway that the defense had overall. Uh, you just love to see it, man. Tips and overthrows, those guys, they, they capitalized on all the opportunities to force turnovers. And I just think with Shaq Leonard being out, you know, you need somebody to step up. Zaire Franklin is running with the first team in that, in that kind of a middle linebacker spot while Bobby – is sliding over to the wheel, and, and they look good together, man. They look good together. EJ Speed, he had a nice pass breakup, I, I believe, on a, a short pass that was dumped off. That that he hit the guy as soon as he, as soon as the ball arrived, then he coughed it up. Um, there's a couple of guys, Jojo Jojo Doman. I, I've been kind of down on him, not because of the way he's playing. He's playing outstanding, but he's Sterling Weatherford's main competition. So I'm rooting against him because I want Sterling Weatherford to get the spot. But I can't deny how well the young man's playing, man. Uh, he, he's been playing phenomenal. Yeah, I know he has the responsibility of getting guys lined up and, and getting the plays into the guys as the second on the second unit. He looked good. Uh, I'm excited to see what this linebacker unit can do, man. Ballard always hits with these linebackers, whether it's late, middle, late in the draft, or as undrafted free agents, man. Ballard always finds a way with these guys. Yeah, I mean, the linebacker group, I think, it's just obvious that they're not going to be an issue um, going forward with it. Um, and when it comes to the guys behind them, I mean, because Bobby, EJ, Zaire to me, I mean, I think they look like starting caliber linebackers. Mm -hmm. And I think Bobby looks like he could take that step into being in that extraordinary level, the potential he has. And I'm excited for him to be moving over into that will position um, because – Gus likes to use that wheel spot um, and, and Bobby's going to get to be active and be around the ball a little bit. I'm excited. I'm excited to see that um, for Bobby moving around. Um, but the guys behind him is what I was really watching for on Saturday. Me, me and uh, Rashad have been a little on the opposite ends here. He's been a Sterling guy. I've been a Jojo guy. I don't see a reason they both can't be there. I mean, I think these these backup linebackers, man, it's gonna be interesting because when Shaquille's back, obviously EJ Speed's gonna get is gonna move into backup one of those areas. But to me, I feel like you can throw Weatherford and JoJo in multiple spots. You have EJ to be able to be probably the backup. If I was picking, he'd probably be the backup Will, looking at what they're going to be doing with it. So that's where I'd put speed. And then I would put JoJo at the backup Mike. And then I think Sterling could go right into the backup Sam. I think they're all athletic enough, though, that you could mix and match and make sure – just keep the best guys. Like, I don't, I don't care 
the positioning of it right now to me. Because I think Forrest Ryan's another guy that has really looked well in camp. Um, the linebacker room and the defensive line group, to me, are going to be the two rooms that they're going to struggle the hardest making cuts down to. Speaking of mixing and matching, I feel like on Saturday, was it just me or were the Colts switching Zaire and Bobby between middle linebacker and will backer? Because I saw that a little bit. I feel like if something, especially right now, uh, knocking on wood, if anybody, if anything happens like to, to Leonard, they're preparing for it now. Bobby could slide over to that will spot. Zaire steps into that middle linebacker spot. So I'm actually interested. I, I, that was a little note, little thing that I that I caught uh, watching, rewatching the film yesterday and today, obviously. I'm intrigued by that. But moving on to the corners, we're going to switch it up for this corner room, okay? Because I, I didn't really see anybody, you know, separating themselves at all. I, I feel like, like we're a little bit in trouble behind that fourth corner spot by Isaiah Rogers. But before we get to that, uh, Rashad, I, I do want to talk to you about Brandon uh, Faceon. That dude is going to be an asset in the run game. He will get up there. I, I like that in him. I like that in him. I saw that play run, ran to the, to the left side. That dude got low and hammered that dude. I love it. I like that in him. I like that in him. That's one of the things that he excelled at, Mike. You're right. That's a good call by you. Yeah. And, hey, you know, that's why Gus Bradley wanted him. That's why Chris Ballard agreed to bring him. Faceon knows what Bradley wants in his system by his corners. So if, you know, Gilmore may not be that guy, I don't know. But Faceon, I was pleased at how willingly he is a tackler in the run game. Love it. But I want to switch this corner room up for you guys. And really, should the Colts think about bringing in a vet corner to bring in as corner five or potentially six? I don't I'm not even sure if they keep six at this point. But do you bring in a vet because Xavier Rhodes is still out there? You know, will he come in and be a number one or be a number five? I have no idea. But you have other guys that are out there. Could you look into bringing one of them in? Rashad, let me start with you on this one. Do you think it's best that the Colts explore a vet corner? I know we've talked about wide receiver, but vet corner is this one where they should like kind of get on the phones now. Uh, Very interesting. Very interesting. Nobody has literally spoke about this. Uh, Destin made a suggestion uh, a couple of days ago, and I'm going to let him talk about that one. So none of these guys have really stood out. You know, uh, I thought Marvell Tell had the inside track being with his experience in the system, but he just didn't look good Saturday, man, if we're being totally honest. Uh, none of these guys stood out. Dallas, Dallas Flowers had a good rep on a two-point conversion where he intercepted the ball. I like his potential. I think he probably a, a practice squad year away before you're actually putting him, you know, on the roster to actually contribute uh, a guy as far as a free agent that, that may have some interest uh, is Darkies Denard. He just got released recently. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. Might was today. Uh, he just got released, but that was a guy that, that actually Indy bought in last, last year. Now it was a different regime. I know. So maybe, Maybe, uh, you know, Eberflus brings him over there to Chicago to get a good look at him. But I wouldn't be surprised. A guy that that, that has the size to play in this system, uh, I think can be a boundary guy if, if he was bought in. And just a veteran that somebody you can trust out there because after Isaiah Rogers, I'm terrified of this group, man. Tony Brown, Anthony Chesley, uh, 
Dallas Flowers, Marvell Tell, uh, none of these guys are really popping off of the tape, you know, and, and giving you any reason to to say that this guy has to stick around. So maybe maybe they find somebody that, that contributes on special teams and that allows them to keep an extra corner or so. But right now, how I'm looking at it, this team needs a CB5. Yeah, so to me, the corner stop stuff is interesting. So if you went the veteran route, um, I wouldn't be anti-Colin Xavier Rhodes' line if no one's talking to him. I mean, we talked about this. I, I was a big Rhodes I don't even know if I'd say I was against Rhodes. I was just trying to prep people to understand that him replicating what he did was going to be nearly impossible and not to toot my own horn, but it didn't happen, but he got hurt, man. I fought with you about that. Oh yeah. Last <laughs> he, he, he was did, injured. He did get hurt, thing. but it, I don't think it would have mattered if he was fully healthy. He was not replicating what he did the year before. He could have been better than he was. Don't get me wrong, but he was not replicating what he did. But, to me, the biggest thing here, because I don't even care who the outside corner is between Faison and Rogers. I trust both of them to rotate in and out. To me, I just want to have multiple guys that you can funnel in and out, keep guys fresh, and be able to just have a good rotation of guys. I think right now, if they kept who was on the roster, I do think they'd keep six for that reason. I think DBs are going to be a spot where they have made an emphasis that they want guys that can play both safety and corner. Most, almost every single person that's going to be on the depth piece of everything can play either or. So for me right now, I think the inside track for the five and six spot for corners, I think Dallas Flowers probably is at that five spot right now. He's looked good in camp and looking at the snap wise in that first preseason game. Like, I think he has that inside track to five. And I, I know the team still likes Marvell Tell. Um, the, the thing that's going to be interesting for him, I know, I get it, is that the defensive staff is not the one that was in his, in his corner this last year, obviously. So this is a new staff. But Tell had some interesting things going on these past couple of years that's not in the public eye, obviously. Um, they like the kid. I think they have they see that he has the talent to move it in the in the corner and the safety realm of things. Um, it's just all about if they can go out and play special teams as well, in my opinion, too. There's just a lot of moving parts. But right now, I think they would keep six corners, and I think Flowers and Tell would be the five and six. But I would not be opposed to calling Xavier Rhodes' line. Um, hit him up, see if he'd have any interest being a rotational guy. You're not going to be the one. You're not going to be the two. You're not going to be the three. But we'll get you some snaps, and we'll rotate guys in and out to keep guys fresh. Yeah, I, I feel more comfortable going the vet route because, I mean, like, like we talked about, the corners that are behind Rodgers, they're not necessarily – you know, separating themselves, no one's stepping up and uh, like the, the, they, so, some of them are okay tacklers, but none of them in coverage are saying like, okay, you know what? You, you can't beat me on this route. You can't beat me on the in-breaking, the outbreaking, or a go you can't, no one is separating, the, separating themselves that way. I feel good if you can go get a vet. If you guys think the Colts should go get a vet right now, comment below who you guys think it is right now. I'm just going to throw some names out there. Trey Waynes, Joe Hayden, Chris Harris, Janoris Jenkins, Kevin King, Damon Arnett, uh, Xavier Rhodes, Jimmy Smith, a AJ Boye. So those are some of the guys that I will name off right there. Again, if y'all think they should go get one, comment down below who y'all think they should get. Getting into the safety room before we get into our other juicy stuff with the training camp and all this uh, joint practices with the Lions. The safety room, Rodney McLeod. Looks solid. Julian Blackman looked healthy. I like to see him back on the field this early. It, it's still a miracle how this man is back on the field already. Not practicing, 
playing football. So Nick Cross was uh, almost as advertised, guys. He had a real, as a safety, as a rookie, his angles are so good, especially in a live NFL game. He, they are good. I like that. Uh, it was definitely a welcome sight, obviously. The safety four spot, you know, everybody knows that I'm a big Rodney Thomas guy. He didn't, weirdly, as he was listed on the safety uh, depth chart, uh, safety four, Julian Blackman's backup, I was shocked to see that he didn't enter the game till like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. But again, it was a quiet day from him. He was the single high safety. That's That will be his job. He wasn't pressured at all there was one time where he could have gotten over just a little bit more it was a downfield throw didn't get there but other than that really not much to go off of Rashad off the safety room who do you think separated themselves and possibly maybe that uh safety four spot safety four uh I didn't see much uh potential in, in safety four at the safety four spot I I know it Amani Watts you know, was the guy that people was expecting to play that position. You know, he has experience mostly as a special team, as a core special teams guy. You know, that's something we needed to see because George Odom, who was foremost safety, used to get rotated and was was an all-pro special team. You know, so the Colts, they're known for bringing guys in that just specialize in a specific special team skill and won't even play a guy positionally. That's why I'm interested to see who who Dustin think he would give the edge to at safety four. I want to see just what how much he weighs special teams into his decision on whoever he selects at at safety four. Yeah, to me, it just became clear that it's going to be Rodney Thomas um, yeah. because of what I said with the corners earlier. They want guys that can play both corner and safety in a pinch, be able to rotate guys through. So it makes it to where you almost are keeping just in general, like seven, eight DBs instead of just saying safety. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, but I feel pretty confident McLeod and Thomas are going to be your backup safeties. All right, guys, those were our performances. Well, not our performances, but those were our takeaways on the blue stable of this preseason game. Again, the Colts did take the L, like it matters. Uh, but just for technical reasons, they took the L, 24 to 27, yada, yada, yada. We still whooped their ass last year. We're going to do it again this year. So, uh, Rashad, what's up, man? Oh, and for the people that wanted to know about the kicker battle, Jake Verdi, you out of here. Rodrigo, hot ride. It's your job to lose. Just, just please. I heard you had a great day today, but I, I'm not going to get ahead. I'm going to let Dustin speak about his takeaways from the day, but I'm pretty sure Hot Rod's are not one of them on, hey. his hot, on his hot list of takeaways. Hot Rod is stepping up, man. He said, fuck them Legos. Let's go to the weight room. <laughs> he said this offseason. Uh, but speaking of the takeaways, real quick, guys, the Colts did uh, cut down their roster. Today was one of the deadlines to get to 85, technically 86. They have a... Uh, Roster exemption for Marcel Dabo because of the overseas thing. And the, the players that they did end up cutting, unfortunately, was uh, offensive tackle Jason Spriggs. That was a few days ago. Today, wide receivers Isaiah Ford, Michael Young, offensive lineman Brandon Kemp, cornerback Alexander Meyer. So the Colts are officially down to 86 players on their roster they will obviously it's going to keep going down more and more i believe the next deadline is uh the 23rd i believe to get down to 80 so other than that destin adams you was at training camp again 
today. We understand you have some takeaways, obviously. Again, this is practice following the preseason game leading up to what should be some good joint practices. Take us uh, what you saw. Yeah, I try to leave every practice that I'm at live with some takeaways just to be able to move forward a little bit. And today I had three of them that I wanted to share. One, um, Michael Strong, who just got activated off the active public, inactive pup list, was out there at practice. And you've seen it reported multiple times today already, but he really didn't look like he had any limitations. I mean, his knee looked good. He was moving well. Um, they were finding ways to sprinkle him in. He was in a lot of second team units, um, sprinkled in the third team as well. Um, he, he just looked like a guy that was going to be ready to practice this in stretch of the training camp. And in a, in a spot where really no receiver on the end has – came and taken these spots, I think he still has a chance. And a lot of us were confu- were really worried if he would have that. My second one that I'm going to say is a takeaway to d- was that Kylan Granson is, if you're listening and you're a fantasy football person, this is important. If you are going to own a tight end in fantasy this year for the Colts, it's Kylan Granson, not Mo Cox. Um, the reason that I'm saying this is because Kylan Granson has been the most targeted tight end in this room to me. And, and, and I talked a little bit about it earlier. The reason being they really are focusing in on him on those middle of the field, find your own spot and get him the ball. And Matt Ryan's accurate. Matt Ryan's going to look for that. And I think Granson, if he can get those drops down, he's going to be heavily utilized this year to where it'll, it'll look like he's putting up tight end one numbers for this room over Moali Cox, where, whereas I think Moali Cox is still going to out snap him. The roles are just going to be very different. So if you're going to own a tight end in fantasy for the Colts, I think it's Kylan Granson, not Moali Cox. Not to interrupt you, not to interrupt your, your last you're good. point. Uh, I took one of the easiest bets in probably Colts history. Uh, one of our former writers, uh, Mason, he bet me that Kylan Granson will have the least amount of receptions in the tight end room this season. Easiest bet I've ever took him. I took, I jumped at the chance to take that bet. Mason, bro. Mason, if you're listening, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> just, go, just go ahead and write the check. Just go ahead and write right. the check. Have it out of your bank account so you're budgeting it right. Just have it on your <laughs> nightstand, ready to hand to Rashad when, when the time comes. He's going to pay for one of my new suits. Go ahead. Oh, Rashad, must, are you uh, taking it bet. in payments or are you just taking it in full? I might, I might, I might let him do installments, man. I might okay, do installments. I might buy my tie first, and then I might buy the jacket, get the pants. You know, I might buy my suit in sections. God damn! How, how much did y'all bet on this? Oh man, just a, just a modest. If modest we're talking about where you shop, oh, that, I feel sorry for that. <laughs> but go ahead, Destin. What's your third takeaway? Um, and my third takeaway is I think Nick Cross has won the starting safety spot opposite of Blackman. Um, I think it was a battle early on. You saw Roddy McLeod having days where he'd get the first team snaps and you would see it sprinkled in. But the Cross-Blackman duo in camp is just dynamic. You just see him moving around. You see how Cross sees the ball. I think Cross is going to have a lot of high upside. Um but I think in, through his career, but I think day one, this guy's going to come in. I think they believe he's the starting guy there. I think he's the starting strong safety. I think Roddy McLeod will still get sprinkled in. And we talked about this, that Bradley likes to use three safety sets. There'll be some single high safety sets as well this year, but 
I think Nick Cross has won the strong safety job. That was my third takeaway. Hey, Nick Cross the third, not the second? Nick Cross the starter. Yeah, oh. Nick, Cro- Nick Cross the starting strong safety. The starting? I like okay. it. All right. I like hey, it. From, from what I saw on Saturday, I am okay with that. All right. So, guys, Colts have cut down to 86. Megastron has come back, obviously. So, now hopefully we'll see how he can perform. I, I wonder if he'll play this weekend in Detroit. But speaking of Detroit, the Detroit Lions, the kneecap-biting Lions are coming to Indy for joint practice. So, guys, this is going to be obviously – this is going to be what, you know, Frank Reich has mentioned. This is going to be where, you know, where they really amp it up. This is going to be their preseason game these two days. So, you know, whether – I'm not entirely sure how Frank Reich and Dan Campbell are going to come together and talk about, you know, like, what do you want to work on? How can we help? What do you want to work on? How can I help? I'm not entirely sure what their approach is going to be, but it's going to get physical out there. I hope some fights break out because, again, this is football. There's pride in this thing, and I want the Colts to be pissed off. Rashad, when it comes to these uh, joint practices, what's one thing you're looking and hoping to to hear coming out of these joint practices? Uh, I just want to hear that the Colts were able to move the ball, you know, I'm not really worried about how they do it per se. I, I know this defense. I pretty much know what this defense is going to be, you know, somewhere I think in the 10 to five range, you know, on the high side, it can be in the five to one range on the low side. I think at, at the lowest, this defense would be in the 13 to 10 range. So I, I'm not really worried about it. The offense has a wide variety of outcomes. So I'm more concerned with that side of the ball. You know, I want to see guys winning individual reps, uh, wide receivers and tight ends, especially, you know, and I want to see if the Colts are going to open it up a little bit, you know, give Matt Ryan a little bit longer leech, let him do what he want to do. Uh, Frank Wright going to go deeper, a little bit deeper into the uh, play calling bag, or is it still going to be as vanilla as it has been? So that's just a couple of the things that I'm looking for as far as joint practices tomorrow. Well, today and tomorrow. Destin, what's on your mind about joint practices? Man, the Colts are back on hard knocks. What, what are we talking about <laughs> here? I, I, I ran into a couple of the hard knocks camera crews even today, leaving training camp and had to joke with them that, man, you guys just can't get enough of us. You're, you're right. You're <laughs> right. You're right back. Uh, but in all, hey, they in want all to hear Jim Irsay sing We Will Rock You Again. Hey, I bet the Hard Knocks crew is always down for Jim Irsay just to have a mic in his hand. Um, does it terrify me? Maybe, but they're always down. Uh, but, but my real takeaway is I, I just want to get out of here injury-free. I think there's ways you can open up the playbook a little bit in camp that you won't want to do in preseason action. So Rashad's right there. You want to see what that they do there. But – the biggest thing is to me, I want to come out of this healthy. Um, we got out of the first preseason game pretty well. Kiki with the groin, Isaiah Rogers with the possible concussion who didn't practice today. Get out of here as injury-free as possible, and hopefully they're not eating any kneecaps. <laughs> There's a couple of things that if you are going to these joint practices, you're going to be you know, watching in the stands, guys. Uh, not, not you, but the fans that are watching this segment. Uh, that – Colts defense versus Lions offense, those 11 on 11s is going to be 
crazy because let me just give you a rundown real quick just at a few spots uh their first round rookie jameson williams is still recovering from a knee injury he won't be uh there out he won't be out there but dj chark tj hawkinson amonra st brown hey fight on rashad he was a hey, he, he's got some talent on him and then you got their tackles taylor decker and panay sewell taking on yannick and gakwe quitty pay that is what I want to hear about. I wish I could see it in person. And obviously the big one is going to be uh is going to be how does Matt Pryor, Bernard Ryman, and also Braden Smith, uh, obviously uh coming into this 2022. How are these tackles gonna look against these solid pass rushes that the Lions have? They got uh well Romeo Aquara will be out, but they do. They did just draft Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, they, they they got a few more. I know they got the other Aquara brother. I think, and Charles Harris, obviously, who they signed. It's going to be real interesting, guys. Again, like Dustin said, I hope we get out of here healthy. Y'all guys are just going to have to hear about it. I hope we see a lot of it on uh, Twitter, videos, reps, the whole nine yards. And then, obviously, this Saturday, the preseason game against the Detroit Lions. So, Hey, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but we'll save that for next week. I think this show has run its course long enough, guys. So any other closing remarks before we get out of here, guys? Yeah, man, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube, man. We're giving a jersey away of choice. You get to choose, man. Like we, we not having a jersey that we just had lying around somewhere. You know, you get so could I get pick. McGinnis on the back of mine if I win? Uh, you know what? You know what? Somebody should get McGinnis, a king of oh. coats. Get king of coats on the back of there, you know. If they if they get McGinnis, do you have to pick the number though? They get McGinnis. Uh, it may come with a well. If it's well, I won't say that. I'll save that for after the show. <laughs> but but I get to pick the number. Number. Let me see what number. Number twenty four. We're gonna go with twenty four. Get twenty four McGinnis on the back, and I have a special. You'll get double gifts because I have something special for you as well. 24 because Rashad McGinnis works 24 hours a day, everybody. Hey, that's why Dustin is my co-host, you know? That's why. That's why we're in sync. And Jamal Williams, I'm watching you at uh, Hard Knocks. You, you've been a star so far. I'm, I got my eyes <laughs> on you. Don't try anything fishy tomorrow, you know? All right, guys. Well, if you haven't gotten enough of us already, I mean, if you're already going to watch these other segments on YouTube again, enjoy the videos. Let us know what you think. If you have any comments, concerns, or touch on stuff, talk to us about something we maybe we didn't cover. Make sure you get it down in the comment section below. Again, he is Destin Adams. He is Rashad McGinnis. I am Michael Pivia. As always, guys, make sure you are subscribed, subscribing, like, sharing all of our content. We appreciate all the support that you guys bring. And uh, let's go feast on some lions because this is our jungle. All right. We will hey. see y'all next week. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.